Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey today. Well, we are glad to have you with us. This month, we are doing something special. We are looking at the life of Jesus through hymns or through songs. And at the end of every podcast, what we're doing is we're playing a recording of that hymn, which allows you to not only kind of go back to some of the things we've talked about, but also for you to sing along with that. So what we did is we just began with the birth of Jesus, and we talked about that hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. From that, we talked about the life of Jesus, and the hymn we chose for that is We Saw Thee Not. Last week, we talked about the death of Jesus, and we used the hymn 10,000 Angels. And so today, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and the hymn we've chosen is Christ Arose. And again, as we mentioned, we'll be playing this hymn at the very end of our podcast today. But let's talk a little bit about the history of this song, Jason. Yeah, written both words and music by a man named Robert Lowry. Robert was born in Philadelphia on March 12th. 1826, so a good long time ago in in this country. He was a, a very well-respected man in society. He served as a professor of literature from 1869 to 1875. He, he did a good amount of his uh, living in Philadelphia, New York City, that, that New England area, but he is most well-known to us. He, he was a preacher and did a variety of writing, but uh, for us, he continues to endure primarily as the the author and, and composer of some of our most well-known hymns. He wrote both the words and the music for hymns like Shall We Gather at the River and Nothing But the Blood. He wrote the music for All the Way My Savior Leads Me, I Need Thee Every Hour, We're Marching to Zion. Uh, just remarkable to me that some of those great anthems that we continue to sing, how many times this year have we in our assembly sung one of those uh, just powerful, powerful hymns? But it was in 1874 that he wrote Christ Arose. As the story goes, he was reading one evening from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and he specifically highlighted uh, verses 6, 7, and 8 of Luke 24, where Luke tells us there were angels who said, he is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. As the story goes, Lowry reflected on those three verses and in what is described as a very spontaneous fashion, he sat down and that very evening wrote both the words and the music to that hymn that continues to stir our hearts even today. You know, and what, one of the things before we get into the song itself, but it's so remarkable is here's someone who has an ability and a talent 
and he's just using it over and over for the glory of God. You know, there you just wonder. You know, so many of our hands we think have to be old to be good, but how many people today would have an ability to write music or write words to a hymn? And that's what he was doing, and that's that's just a, a great way. Now I've seen this this hymn is so interesting the way it's led because it starts off very very slow, and then when you get to the chorus, it just hits the accelerator and it goes very rapidly. Sometimes the way I've I've seen it and and sung with others is that the the lines in the chorus is all sung together. Sometimes the first three stanzas and then the chorus one time at the end. Right. But either way, it's just it's just a profound profound message it says. So let me read the words of this hymn, Christ Alone, or rather Christ the Rose. It says, Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting for the coming day. Verse two says, Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior, vainly they seal the dead. Verse 3, death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away. And then the chorus, Jesus my Lord, up from the grave he arose. He arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Such a... <laughs> you know, there there aren't any complicated words there. There's not really archaic language there. They are short, punchy, basic phrases. A lot of them, those words just have one syllable, but such a powerful message, clearly, that has endured now for 150 years we've been singing this song. You know, and what this song really points us to and it is the theme of the of the Bible, and that is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. To to know Jesus without that is not to know Jesus. Had Jesus not risen from the grave, he would have been like a, a just a host of religious leaders, but they stayed in their grave. The the power of Christ was that he came up from the grave. And, you know, that's so many verses kind of give us testimony to that very idea. He would say in John chapter 2, very early in the ministry here, that I lay down my life, I will take it up again. He has always talked about his coming resurrection and the power that it would have and the difference it would make in the lives of so many others. In the book of Romans, in chapter 1, the apostle would say about Jesus, in verse 4, who is declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection. And so what this hymn is about, it's about the raise, the resurrection of Jesus. That grave opened up and our Lord came back. Yeah, I think it would be powerful maybe for us just to notice the the key ideas of each one of these three really short verses. Uh, you read for us verse one, low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. At least for me, the key word in verse one is waiting. How... How fascinating to think of Jesus as in the grave waiting the coming day. You, you highlighted from John, Jesus does it all 
over uh, over and over again throughout the gospels he said in mark chapter 14 uh, verse 28 before his death he said after i am raised up i will go before you to galilee he 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 made it explicitly clear to his followers we are going to jerusalem this is what's going to happen i'm going to be delivered over to authorities i'm going to die but let me tell you what I'm going to do after I am raised up. And so, yes, Jesus died on Friday. Maybe verse one puts us in a a Saturday frame of mind of here is Jesus by the time we're singing already in the grave. But that's not the end of the story. He is simply waiting. And, you know, a, a reminder from Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two as he talks about this, he says, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Yeah. Verse 2, vainly they watch his bed, vainly they seal the dead. Roger, when you read that or sing that, what goes through your mind? Well, I think of the soldiers, you know, I think of the soldiers who are keeping guard outside the tomb and how their job was to make sure no one came and stole the body and how they were to protect it. Maybe off in the distance was the disciples kind of in fear, just looking at that. We know on the Sabbath day, they were in the house together and how they were just uh, not sure what was happening. They, you know, there, there was a lot of uncertainty upon their minds about what was to take place. And I think, again, the vainly part was uh, the soldiers couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. Yeah. Satan couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. Uh, th- this is this is all the power of God coming out. Yeah, it makes me think of the very end of Matthew 27, where even some of the chief priests and the Pharisees, they come before Pilate and they readily admit, they say, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. And so their appeal to Pilate is, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate says to them, you have a guard. (laughs) Personally, I think this is... uh, unintentionally some of the funniest words in the Bible. Pilate tells them, go make it as secure as you can. And I think that's the the essence of verse two. Vainly they seal the dead. You know, vainly is, these are are empty efforts. Uh, This is Jesus waiting in that grave, and when it is time to come out, there aren't any amount of plans, there aren't any number of soldiers that are going to keep him in that grave. And then the third verse says, death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior, he tore the bars away. Uh, And that kind of takes it on, on the grander scale other than just the people watching the grave or the soldiers guarding it is this concept of death in Christ and death has a prey and up to really Jesus, uh, death kept its prey. 
Uh, people died and they stayed dead, and that's just the way it was. But Jesus was the first to be resurrected, never to die again. He's the first fruits of that. And so death cannot keep his prey. What's, what does it mean by the bars? He tore the bars away. Yeah, well, from the standpoint of an ordinary human being, death is I go in and I don't come out, right? We bury our loved ones. We watch our loved ones pass from this life and that that is the end of our interaction with them until the resurrection right it it is almost like a prison but jesus as the writer of hebrew says jesus shares in flesh and blood just like us so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power over death that is the devil and liberate us from our lifelong slavery, right? Sin is our taskmaster. There is a bitter sting to death. Jesus dies in order to destroy that power and ultimately be the guarantee of the resurrection that makes this chorus uh, so so great to sing with joy and hope in our hearts. And, you know, this This is a promise that goes all the way back to the third page of the Bible. When we read about Adam and Eve in the garden and the promises that God was making, that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that crushing blow came about through the resurrection. That's, that's what I think that God has in mind when he says those words. Uh, l- let me ask, what did his resurrection accomplish? Yeah, well, the chorus says, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. And so it is the ultimate verification that he is the king of kings, the lord of lords. He is the first fruits of those who are going to be raised from the dead. He's pictured in the course as a victor from the dark domain. He lives forever. And so that makes me think of how in Hebrews he is described as this perfect high priest who lives to make intercession for us. I mean, we can go on and on and on, but the resurrection is the hinge of everything that we're hoping for, right? Everything that we're hoping in. He is the lamb given as the sacrifice for our sins. He is the risen king. He is our savior and leader in the book of Acts. He is the verified author of life. It all revolves around the resurrection. It does. Uh, the the idea of him being the satisfaction or propitiation for our sins is hinged on that. His reconciling us to God. We're no longer the enemies of God is built upon that. And so when you read the first couple chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul just made it plain. We preach Christ crucified. We preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is the message that the world needs to know. It's not just that Jesus is a nice guy. It's not that Jesus just shows us have good attitudes in life. Well, that you can get that from a lot of places. But what Jesus did, what no one else could do, would be that perfect sacrifice and that conquering resurrection that destroyed death and destroyed the powers of the devil. 
And, and what's so neat about this hymn is it begins so slow. And so it, it kind of drags at the beginning because it, it just seems like you're, you're in a death march. But then when you get to the chorus, you get these words of triumph and victory. And it's like a celebration, which it is because Jesus rose from the grave. That, that really is the image I get of uh, Matthew 28 when those women first came to the grave wanting to uh, anoint the body of Jesus. They expected Jesus still to be there. They came and that stone was rolled away and he was not there. He had been risen and how that changed everything. And absolutely speaks to how we ought to live today, right? It is fascinating to me how Paul in Acts chapter 17 goes to people who aren't familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. He's right there in the heart of learning in the great city of Athens. And he preaches in Acts 17 verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. Listen to what he has said. It is time for everybody to repent. There is a judgment day coming. God is going to judge the world in righteousness. And he concludes with, of this he has given assurance to all by raising Jesus from the dead. It is the source of our hope, but it is also the verification of we are all going to stand before him in judgment. Absolutely. Because he arose, we can, we, we know we will rise also from the grave. And that's, that's the proof. How do we know we will be resurrected? Jesus was. And that's the connection Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, looking to this great event. In the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, again, another sermon of Paul, he multiple times tells us that Jesus was raised. Verse 30, God raised him from the dead. And for many days, he says in the next verse, he appeared to those who came with him from Galilee. Verse 33, God fulfilled his promise to our children that he raised up Jesus. Verse 37, but God raised him up. Over and over again, these verses are just showing this triumphant point of our Bible that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose from the grave. If his grave is still occupied, Paul tells us our faith is in vain, our hope is in vain, we're still in our sins. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. 123 years ago, Robert Lowry, who wrote this hymn, passed away, 1899, at the age of 73, but... That is not the end of Robert Lowry's existence. How, what a, a great gift he has given God's people over the, the decades to be able to sing these songs. And of course, we will be raised right along with Lowry and stand before this risen king that the hymn so powerfully points us to. Roger, thank you very much for joining me on this little journey. We, we've covered four parts of a five-part series. Uh, as you mentioned here in just a moment, we'll play a congregational recording of this hymn, but we encourage you to tune in next Friday for our last one in this series. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope our conversation has helped you set your mind on things above 
giving you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.